Hey, what's up? My name's Alex, and this is my podcast, Alex Listens. This is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and identity and politics and race and psychology and economics and pretty much everything, um, everything possible. Um, a bit about me, uh, I'm wearing sandals inside and it's cold outside. Um, and, uh, maybe this is your first time listening. If it is, hey, and welcome. Um, this is going to be a, a one weird ride for you. Um, if you're a repeat listener, a repeat offender, um, welcome back. Glad to, uh, glad to be still providing, um, some kind of service for you. Um, if you've contacted me in the past, that's really cool. If you haven't, you should, um, send me an email or DM me on Instagram or something. Just say, Hey, what's up? Um, that's all you need to say. Or you can, you know, actually say something meaningful and be like, Hey, this is what I like about this episode, or this is what I disagree with. Or I think you're an idiot and you should shut up and delete every episode ever. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, what do I say at the beginning? Um, oh uh, yeah. Uh, I have a website. Um, if you want to learn more about me, you can go on my website. Um, uh, www.alex.co. Um, otherwise, uh, I need to do this one thing that I do all the time. Um, not all the time, but you know, uh, in every episode. Um, so I don't have, uh, ads, um, and I won't have ads because I'm opposed to, um, I don't want to sell some bullshit just to get money. Um, so that means that I am out of pocket when it comes to this podcast. Um, so I ask people to reflect on what this podcast means for them. Um, is it something that they derive meaning from? Is it something that gets them thinking about things? Is it something that is uh, helpful? If your answer is yes to all of those things, I would say, Hey, um, you know, before the pandemic, maybe you went to the coffee shop every day and spent $5 on the coffee. Um, why, like, why not support, you know, why not become a patron of something that is providing some kind of, you know, intellectually curious service for you? Um, so if that's, if you fall into that category, um, please, it would be, it would be really lovely. Um, if you could, if you could, you know, help me in any way possible. Um, and that doesn't have to be financially. If it is, um, Patreon is a great platform. Um, I have, I have patrons on there. Thanks for being patrons to all those people. Um, otherwise, you know, just like tell your friends about the podcast, uh, tell people who you think, um, need to listen to certain things. Um, I have some interesting, uh, episodes on identity politics, um, uh, talking about, you know, race and colonialism, which I think are very useful for people who don't have much background in that, um, area or haven't really had too many conversations like that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, cool. Okay. So now the actual episode itself. I am going to talk about free will. And what am I going to talk about? Um, I mean, this is, this is actually a very 
interesting thing to think about because if you've listened to any of my other episodes, um, you'll know that I don't, you know, I don't read off a script. I'm not some fucking robot. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I like to play with words and with ideas and stuff. And this podcast is kind of this weird train of thought journey for me, um, when I make it. Um, and you know, I don't like to edit them too much because I don't feel like that's my style anyway, whatever. Um, but, um, in, in kind of, in exercising this weird train of thought muscle in my brain, um, and translating, I don't know, the thoughts into words, um, you could argue that I am, uh, in some respects, exercising a degree of free will. Um, but before, you know, before we kind of get into questions like that, I'm going to provide you with some, some of Alex's famous definitions, um, which aren't famous and haven't been, uh, articulated before. So definition one, free will, um, Okay, so I'm not going to give you like, you know, five word Oxford dictionary bullshit, um, but I'll give you something that is enough for you to chew on. Um, So I think I would define free will as um, the capacity to have mastery over one's uh, decision making. Um, And the real the real thing that needs to be thought about in that statement in my definition is the word mastery because that is obviously, that occurs on a spectrum. Um, We have, as we will see, we have various levels of mastery over various different things um, when it comes to our conscious experience. Um, Okay, so there's free will. uh, And let's say that is on the left-hand side of the spectrum. So picture a um, horizontal line. It's on the left. Um, on the right hand side is determinism. Um, and the determinist believes that there is, or I guess the radical determinist believes that there is no free will and that mental states and decisions have, are preordained and they've already been configured, um, either by our subconscious or by a God or by, um, Jeff Bezos through his targeted advertising or, um, yeah, whatever, um, target. Yeah. Like the, the person, I guess they're on, they're the two sides of the spectrum. So you have the person who believes in free will, and then you have the person who believes in determinism. Um, and now one thing, um, because this appears to be an, a kind of hiccup for many people when trying to introduce themselves to free will and, um, determinism and stuff. Um, so I guess two things, uh, I would say I would keep, um, I would try and keep discussions of free will and determinism within the realm of consciousness, um, or with respect to consciousness. Um, if you don't really know about consciousness, I did an episode called an introduction to consciousness and you should go and listen to that. Um, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, But yeah, uh, and the reason why I say that is because, um, I don't know, like, I guess I feel like we as human beings have a, an incredible insight in what it means to be a human being. Um, 
and uh, we therefore, you know, I, and like, I don't know, like, it, I guess human consciousness appears to be one of the most, if not the most developed and sophisticated form of consciousness that we've ever come across. Um, I guess, you know, we don't really know how animals communicate and whatever. We don't really know whether higher order animals, mammals are conscious. Um, it appears they have some capacity to reason and whatever, but, you know, we as humans have this, you know, we have language systems, we have all of these things that inform our conscious experience. Um, and I, that's why I think that, you know, you need to talk about free will with, with respect to consciousness. Um, and this is kind of instrumental in, in seeing where I come from, uh, when it comes to consciousness, uh, sorry, when it comes to free will, because, um, okay, here we go. Uh, oh, wait, 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 before I, before we kind of take our first jump, um, one thing that people, uh, seem to kind of one word that people seem to misconstrue and um, misattribute things to is the word fatalism. Um, and how I understand it is that, um, so the, a person who is fatalistic or a person who believes that, you know, the world is fatalistic, um, believes that irrespective of, you know, what people do, um, irrespective of, Irrespective of whether or not I wake up this morning um, <laughs> or sleep forever. No. Um, irrespective of whether or not I wash my hands um, before going outside, uh, it's going to rain this afternoon. Um, that would be a fatalistic uh, account um, in, in, its very sim- in its simplest form. Obviously, you can, I don't know, if you're a mete- meteorologist, you're going to be like, oh, but there is atf- atmospheric pressure between the clouds. and blah, blah, blah. Um, So, yeah, like, you know, fatalism, the, the fatalist believes that regardless of what you do, X is going to happen. Um, that is different from determinism because determinism uh, is specifically relates to conscious states, I believe. And I, this is what Sam Harris believes. Um, and this is also what Daniel Dennett believes. Um, they are, they are both, uh, controversial, um, but, uh, mostly well-informed, um, and reasonable, uh, philosophers. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we have, we have free will and determinism. So, to what extent do we actually have free will? Um, that's the first question that I'll try and answer. Um, so when I wake up in the morning, uh, I tend to do a number of things, but one thing is, um, shower. Um, and one thing, another thing is eat or drink something. Um, and I guess for the past two years, maybe 18 months, I've showered before eating. So I kind of get up and go straight into the shower. Um, but you know, what, what is stopping me from eating first? Um, I can't remember the last time I ate before I showered in the morning. Um, and really, um, this is where, okay. So 20th century French, 20th century existentialism in Germany and France, many of these people, including Heidegger, Um, and, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, they believed that 
we have a we our free will is so radical and so extreme that if i go okay so i'm just going to do a random act right now so what i've done is i've lifted my hand up my right hand up um and i did that just as an example of you know a random act those two men would say that if i went back in time to the point at which I was making a decision to do something, I would be free to act differently. So if the world was exactly as it was, if my brain was exactly how it was, there would be something inside me that would allow me to raise my left hand instead of my right or raise my feet or pick up the microphone and throw it out the window or, I don't know, like try and do a headstand or something. Um, yeah, so that is like that is a, that is probably the most radical stance on free will that I've ever heard. Um, and I have, I draw issue with that. Um, I don't agree that our free will is that extreme. Um, and here is why. So when I, okay, so I guess one thing is, um, one thing that we need to think about is desire and preference and want. So Recently, I guess for the past 18 months, what I've wanted to do in the morning is shower more than wanting to eat. So I've showered before eating. Where does that want come from? Um, maybe I can, you know, try and give you some reasons. Maybe, maybe, you know, I want to maintain the warmth from bed. And so I like going and having a warm shower. Um, maybe it wakes me up more than food. So I go and have a shower. Um, but then why do I want to remain warm and why do I want to be woken up? Um, maybe I want to remain warm because it feels nice and maybe I want to be woken up because it feels nice. Why? Okay. And then the next question, why does anything feel nice? Um, because it just does, or maybe there is some biological account that you can give. Feeling nice is exemplified by the release of serotonin from vesicles out of the synaptic terminal um, and then absorbed by other synapses and then a message is kind of, you know, sent. And that, that produces the feeling of feeling good, feeling nice. Okay, so I just read a book by Sam Harris. In that book, there is a reference to um, this guy called... Martin um, Heisenberg. And if you've watched Breaking Bad, um, that's where the name came from. Um, Heisenberg was, I don't know, a biologist? Um, And yeah, he showed that the... Okay, wait, let me just... uh So I don't... I remember the page it was on. Um, Okay, um, Martin Heisenberg had observed that certain processes in the brain, such as the opening and closing of ion channels and the release of synaptic vesicles, occur at random and therefore cannot be determined determined by environmental stimuli. That's a quote, direct quote from Sam Harris's book, page 27. Okay, maybe you don't understand what that means. Um, okay, so a vesicle is a thing which contains neurotransmitters. It's like a kind of ball. And then inside the ball are neurotransmitters. And neurotransmitters, um, I don't know, 
they make you feel things, they send messages, um, they tell your body to move in a certain way or, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, and so if they're released at random, um, so, but like, you know, I guess that, that, that almost sounds intuitive. Like how, okay. So what I did before when I was saying like, um, uh, you know, why do I like getting out of bed and going to the shower? You know, why does it feel nice? What does feeling nice mean? You know, what if it, that kind of process of asking why this, why this keep going when you keep going deeper and deeper in philosophy, that's called um, an infinite regress. Um, that process, it seems leads you to a point where you get to, I mean, if you kind of go down a biological path, you get to the point where um, you get to Martin Heisenberg's fucking proof that, you know, the release of neurotransmitters like serotonin, um, these occur at random. Um, and, but like, you know, you can kind of, I guess maybe, maybe that's not so true or maybe it's true in the respect that like, we don't have, um, okay. So maybe it's true in the respect that the more microscopic we try to be with our conscious control over our internal states, the more real unrealistic, the less realistic, um, the less, the more limited our freedom is. Like I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't say right now I'm going to release 15 serotonin vesicles and then like, think about it and then do it. Um, I don't know, maybe like, maybe so that, okay. When I say, you know, the release of serotonin and the release of neurotransmitters occurs at random. Um, I mean, you could take some drug that, um, influences your serotonin release or, like some antidepressants, uh, SSRI, that stands for selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And so what it does is, um, it kind of lengthens the period of time that serotonin is between two neurons such that more serotonin can be uptaken by the following, the, the next neuron. So the message is stronger or longer or whatever. So you can have some impact on, you know, serotonin, and it's, um, you, yeah, you can, you can kind of play with serotonin by, I don't know, like using, using medicine or drugs or whatever. Um, so like, but you know, that is something exogenous or some people say exogenous. I don't know. I don't know why people say exogenous. That sounds so strange. Um, maybe it sounds strange that I say exogenous, but I think that sounds nicer. Um, why, do, why does it sound nicer? What the fuck? I don't know. Why does it sound nicer? I can't. It just, it just is. And so how, how do I, how am I free in that respect? Like, I just have these preferences that I can't really explain. Um, you know, Freud would say, oh, they're all linked to the libido. And then like, um, you know, I don't know, modern psychiatry would try and, you know, unpack, you know, your childhood and, some, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy to try and, you know, get you to grasp your patterns of thinking and address them and whatever. Um, but really like if I like showering before I like eating, that just kind of is, it's like this weird self-evident truth that I 
don't really, that I haven't really been able to regulate. Of course, of course I can eat before I shower. And I think that is, I think that is one of the places where, um, the person who believes in free will has some ground, some has legs to stand on because where I have, okay. So like maybe it's those very basic, um, decisions between A and B. Um, maybe someone might argue that it's a very basic decisions like A and B between A and B where we have free will. Um, I can choose to shower. I can think about it. I can deliberate. I can choose to shower or, or eat. Um, you know, I have, I just think about it and then I, I exercise my free will, whatever. Um, and I, I come to a conclusion about what I'm going to do. And let's say I do that every single morning. Ha ha. Well, fuck you to those of you who agree, um, with that claim, because there is this really spooky scientific, uh, study that I've kind of mentioned a few times, um, through, uh, this podcast, um, in other episodes, I mean, um, which showed that pretty much, um, when people are presented with, I don't know, a binary or, um, you know, kind of simple choices between things, Um, scientists are able to predict with remarkable accuracy. And when I say remarkable, I mean like 70% plus they're able to predict what people are going to choose before people have consciously reported having made a decision about what they were going to choose. Um, so what the hell does that mean for free will? Um, does that mean that even in circumstances where I believe, I am choosing freely between showering and eating that really the decision is being made for me by my brain. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of this overlay of rationality and reason and, you know, evaluating things and thinking, Oh, like, you know, I'm going to go for a run or whatever. So I don't want to eat before going for a run or like, um, you know, I, I had a fever and so I sweated a lot in my sleep and so I want to shower, whatever reasons you have, like, you know, how do you, how do you trace, how do you trace those reasons back to their point of origin? Um, and this is something that I guess for those of you who meditate, um, this is something that I'm sure you've spent time doing or paying, um, or acknowledging, um, what you're acknowledging when you pay attention to your thinking is, the randomness of thoughts. Where do they come from? Why do they only stay for a certain amount of time? And then once they leave your, once they leave your awareness, where do they go? Um, and I guess we don't, at least I've never felt like during my time, my moments of more profound meditation, I've never felt like Sometimes I've been able to kind of, um, I don't know, have really lucid thoughts and have like your strange visuals attached to them, um, and have a kind of more profound connection with those thoughts. But I, I really, I don't know. I don't know how to tell where they've come from or why they've come from anywhere. Um, and I guess, you know, there might be some instances where it's clear why they have arisen. Like if I'm particularly anxious about something, then I keep having thoughts about it. Um, 
yeah, like I might be able to say, hey, that's where it came from. But then again, like, why was I anxious about that? Why is that something that has, why is that something that has, um, you know, particularly gotten to me? Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess that maybe, maybe I've said all that I want to say about free will. So really I'll just kind of, I'll provide you with some form of recap. So you have, you have, um, you have a brain, right? Uh, and that brain allows you to make decisions. And presumably the only way that we can measure free will is by making decisions and choosing between different options. However, our preferences are going to inform, presumably our preferences are going to inform the decisions that we make. And we don't have, I guess we have limited control over our preferences. Um, you know, you can train yourself, for example, one ridiculous thing that lots of people do in Australia, and this is probably going to be the most polarizing statement that I've ever made on this podcast is, um, they drink beer. Um, and a lot of people that I know hated beer initially, and they kept drinking, still hated it, kept drinking it, still hated it because of some, I don't know, social pressure or, um, desire to conform or whatever. I I don't know why, I don't know why the ones who didn't like the flavor kept drinking. Um, and then, you know, eventually they kind of, I don't know, came to appreciate it or whatever, or had drunk so much of it that they liked it now. Um, or, you know, the, the revolting yeasty flavor, um, (laughs) didn't get to them as much. Um, no, I'm, I'm pretty gluten intolerant and uh, I don't know, like beer makes me feel funny. Um, and I, I, yeah, I don't drink either and haven't for a while. Um, uh, yeah. So there's that, there's that kind of control that we can exercise over our preferences. So like maybe we can work to, um, you know, change them. Um, yeah, like, I guess people, people do that. People can do that. We have some ability to kind of work on our preferences. Um, and, but like, you know, really, as I was saying before, like, why, why do I like clothes that look a certain way? Why do I, um, like particular smells? Um, why do I like particular pairs of shoes? Where does that desire come from? Um, and I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's consciously created. Um, it seems like a lot of it comes from things that are outside of our control. Um, although, you know, like there's something to be said about the extent to which socialization impacts our free will. Um, and this is where media and this is why I don't want to, uh, have ads on this podcast because I don't want to be one. I don't believe like a lot of podcasts have ads for like the most bullshit fucking companies ever. Um, like, yeah. Uh, so like one ideologically, I I'm opposed to it. And two, I don't want to cloud your fucking free will. And I, like, I truly believe that that isn't me on some kind of weird philosophical moral high horse. Um, that's actually 
like yeah i mean i don't i don't want to slip things into your subconscious that are going to persuade you to behave in a certain way unless you know unless i truly believe that um yeah they're worth they're worth their ideas worth entertaining um, which is why i have this podcast because there are things that i want to be able to talk about and there are things that i believe people um should be thinking about um and exercising whatever capacity they have um to engage with that stuff exercising that as frequently and um intensely as possible um yeah so i guess we've got to a point where it seems like the free will we have um i don't know sam harris calls it an illusion he says that our free will is an illusion and what he means by that is we have like this baseline layer of consciousness and then that is informed by things that aren't conscious like um breathing a lot of the time breathing isn't conscious um our heart beating isn't conscious there are some things that are kind of automated by the body and then as i said before there was that dude heisenberg who showed that um you know neurotransmitters and vesicles are kind of released randomly um and so there are these things that are outside of our control but we feel like we can exercise freedom and free will when making decisions and i don't know i think i'm kind of with sam harris i think that to a certain extent it is an illusion um now to to i guess i so i studied two and a half years of a law degree um and one thing that was very interesting during my studies was the area of criminal law um and i guess in common law um at least in english and australian common law there are these two um things that you need to prove two of the elements of a crime one is the guilty act and one is the guilty mind the actus reus is the guilty act and the mens rea is the um guilty mind um and so you know uh, someone um someone kicks someone really hard in the shin um and the other person sues them for assault so a kicks b in the shin super hard um they go to court and the prosecution is successfully able to show that there was a guilty act because b's shin is broken um and on the video camera on the you know cctv footage a is the only person around um no one else and you know b is bleeding from their knee their their shin um so you have the guilty act and then you move to the question of the guilty mind um and the guilty mind is is where is one of the reasons why i think free will is so important because what does it mean if we have if we've had this discussion about our free will and if you agree or sympathize with some of the things that i've explored you'll see that perhaps free will that perhaps we don't have as much free will as it appears that we have um perhaps it is an illusion in the sense that there are all of these other things informing our decision making that are outside of our conscious control And so with all of that into account taken into account um how free are we 
how obvious okay so uh, this isn't me saying that you know we shouldn't have a penal system obviously like obviously i'm not saying that you know perpetrators of crimes should be able to say oh you know i don't have i wasn't acting freely that's ridiculous um but you know it's it's worth it kind of it just throws a spanner in the works of a smooth legal system which can say you have a guilty mind um you were guilty in that situation because you know you introduced different circumstances let's say a was running and he tripped um and you know b was walking out of a door and a tripped into b and the reason why a kicked b in the shin so hard was because a was running and there was a lot of momentum so there's the guilty act there's the kick to the shin the guilty mind absolutely not it was an accident there is no it's you know it's an accident um and then you know you ask the question is a negligent was a running like violently i don't know um so yeah um there's some there's some legal um, implications with the discussion of free will. You know, once upon a time, um, uh, and I did I briefly um, studied uh, Islamic history, and once upon a time, um, one was able to argue that you know their mental states were predetermined by God, um, and. Uh, yeah and so why should i be why should i have to why should i have to suffer if i don't have control over my actions um yeah but uh you know we don't we don't have that uh law in we don't have that our legal system doesn't take that you know we, we it's a very different time um we have we live in a secular country um we have a sorry we have a secular legal system um secular government um and yeah um yeah okay so and what i guess one other thing that i'd like to hint at that i'm going to talk about at a later a later stage is the question of morality and free will um and i think this is probably going to be the next episode but just to give you a kind of just to keep you excited um think about why we value certain things and why we don't value others so for a long time um i was vegan slash vegetarian and there were things that informed that um some of those things were ethical uh i don't believe that you can justify the harming of a sentient being part of those things were environmental I don't believe that the pleasure that I derive from eating meat outweighs the carbon footprint of the agriculture industry. Um, Why do I believe those things? Did I freely reach those conclusions by engaging with certain philosophers? Or, you know, was I always going to believe in those things? Do I have, you know, a particular mind that is predisposed to liking certain things? Um, Yeah, that's that's all. That's all for today. If you like this episode, 
um, tell me, that'd be cool. If you didn't like it, tell me, that'd be cool. Um, tell your friends, support me on Patreon, and, um, yeah, leave me a review, love the podcast. Yeah.